The America's National Parks podcast is sponsored by L.L. Bean, dedicated to helping you experience all the benefits of time outside and stay more comfortable while you're out there. From soft and breathable activewear designed to do it all, to just right layers perfect for changing weather, to sun smart clothing that blocks the sun's harmful rays, every L.L. Bean product is made with comfortable time outside in mind. Visit LLBean.com to shop now. L.L. Bean. Be an outsider. If you dare, dip your feet into the icy water of St. Mary Lake. The glacier-fed water adds a new twist to the term refreshing. It's one of the many sensory experiences at a park that attracts more and more people who want to see the glaciers before they're gone. I'm Jason Epperson, and today on America's National Parks, Climate Change and the Glaciers of Glacier National Park. Glacier National Park in northern Montana is a crown jewel of the United States. Its pristine landscapes draw millions of visitors a year to see its majestic mountains, jewel-colored waterfalls, carpets of wildflowers and wildlife, ranging from bald eagles to mountain goats and bighorn sheep to grizzly bears. But mostly, people come to see the glaciers. These fields of ice that, by definition, move under their own weight, picking up rocks and debris and sometimes stain their brilliant blue hue with a hint of gray. Glacier is one of America's most popular national parks, especially during the short summer season. Everyone wants to come to the park when going to the Sun Road opens. Traversing the park above the U-shaped valleys carved by the movement of ice sheet glaciers during the Pleistocene Ice Age, starting two million years ago. This, in fact, is what gives Glacier National Park its name and what the National Park designation is destined to preserve. The impact of massive ancient rivers of ice and rock that created one of the most stunning landscapes on the planet, where fields of lacy white bear grass creep along the lush green mountainsides. Nevertheless, the glaciers themselves remain a primary reason people visit the park, now with a sense of urgency. Long before today's alpine glaciers formed, thousands of years in fact, the glaciers that created Glacier National Park had disappeared during a relatively warm interglacial period. The valley floors and mountain slopes greened. But now visitors think of alpine glaciers, which look like lakes of ice nestled high on the mountainside, as the trademark of the park, and they're in jeopardy. Of the 80 or so glaciers in the park at the time it was established, about two dozen remain. Most are in remote parts of the park. A few, like Grinnell Glacier, are accessible via a moderately strenuous day hike, if trail conditions allow. Some, like Jackson Glacier and Barefoot Glacier, are visible from going to the Sun Road, barely without even leaving your car. But 100 years ago, Jackson and Blackfoot were a single glacier. The ice melt has separated them, shrunk them, and yet artificially bolstered the countable glaciers by taking one and splitting it into two. It's not the only such example. Their presence is tenuous and temporary. Once a glacier shrinks below about 25 acres, it's downgraded to a snowfield, and it continues to diminish until there's nothing left of it at all. Here's Abigail. To us, the visitors, glaciers have an aesthetic value. 
They are beautiful, fascinating, remote, otherworldly. To the environment, they mean something bigger, a source of cold meltwater, a crucial element of a habitat and ecosystem. But they are also a symptom of what's to come. Unlike the disappearance of ancient glaciers, today's rapid glacier melt is not the result of millennia of slow change. It's human-induced, at least in part. It's one of the myriad of devastating effects of climate change, our impact on the environment. Glacier National Park is warming faster than the rest of the Earth on average, causing changes both noticeable and subtle, and reaching far beyond the glaciers themselves. On the evening of August 11, 2018, a small fire caused by a lightning strike was reported on Howe Ridge, beyond the north shore of Lake McDonald. Barely over half an acre at initial report, it was, at that moment, just another fire, part of the landscape and history. Because counterintuitive as it may seem with the snow-capped peaks, fire is common in Glacier National Park. Fire managers and wilderness staff kept an eye on the fire as campers and lodge guests also watched the small fire in the distance as they bedded down for the night. By the next afternoon, however, the fire on Howe Ridge was no longer just another fire. Fueled by enormous old-growth forest, record-high temperatures, moderate drought, and a changing wind, the fire traveled down the ridge, eating up a thousand acres in just a few hours. Thick smoke billowed across Lake McDonald. The fire and wilderness staff were now exchanging terse messages sprinkled with phrases like, off the charts, and I haven't seen that before. And the telltale, this is unprecedented. Embers ignited spot fires that chased down the hillside toward the lake, approaching the Kelly's camp cabins, the Sprague Creek and Avalanche campgrounds, and ultimately the Lake McDonald Lodge, endangering over 1,000 lives as the evacuation orders came with little time for preparations. People fled, driving down dirt roads that provided the only evacuation route, flames licking the roadway on both sides, the heat of the fire radiating through their car windows. The routes would soon be cut off as the fire traversed the roads and charred trees fell across the paths. Backcountry campers backtracked their steps, abandoning their car, later found completely burned out, and were lucky enough to evacuate by boat, where Lake McDonald held the fire at bay. Six weeks later, at 79% containment, the fire had consumed nearly 15,000 acres, destroying 13 residences and 14 other buildings within the park. The estimated cost on the Howe Ridge fire was over $13 million, but really the cost is not borne merely in dollars. There's an ecological cost associated with a large fire, particularly in a protected area, and as a psychological one, because we, the people who visit and love Glacier National Park, suffer when our parks are damaged especially when it becomes a long-term trend. Howe Ridge is not the only major fire in Glacier's history. In fact, there have been fires at the park every year since it was established, and likely for many years before that as well. But the fires are increasing in frequency and impact. And these fires aren't just hidden in the backcountry, relegated to parts of the park not experienced by many visitors. Front and center on going to the Sun Road, the 2015 Reynolds Creek Fire, smallish in size, decimated a scenic stretch through some of the most popular areas of the park, 
including the Wild Goose Island Overlook, where each evening countless visitors hope to catch a spectacular sunset. Take the boat tour of St. Mary Lake and see the results of this fire. Skeletons of trees standing sentinel over the landscape on the northern rim of the lake. Their chalk-white trunks a stark contrast to the lush green ground cover creeping between the rocks. Alight from the boat at the landing and begin to hike to St. Mary Falls, ascending through a mix of old and new growth forest burned by the fire. Turn your back on the falls, rushing behind you in an aquamarine gasp of thundering water to see perhaps the most striking angle on the remains of the fire. The bare trees impaling the hillside like daggers all the way down to the water's edge. The destruction is there for sure, frightening in many ways. From the cautious hiker's paranoia, what happens if a fire breaks out while we're here? To the niggling thoughts of what happens to the place itself, long-term, to the flora and fauna and everything else that defines it. It begs the question, what will the park look like 10 years from now? What about 50 years from now? What is the magnitude of change in this crown of the continent, with its pristine forests, alpine meadows, rugged mountains, and spectacular lakes? For sure, it will touch every aspect of how we engage with the park. For now, we can still see the mountain goats, who depend on the snowpack to cool down, picking their way along the treacherous ridges at Logan Pass. The bright yellow glacier lilies still bloom in abundance every year, early in the season at lower elevations and during the height of the summer at the peak of the continental divide. But the ptarmigan birds, with feathered feet who turn white during the winter, are losing numbers as the climate warms, and the wolverines who den in the snow are declining as well. Algae blooms are becoming more common. The types of fish in the lakes and the types of birds nesting in the park may well change over the course of our lifetime. Do we try to preserve the status quo? Do we embrace the nuanced changes, knowing that each time we come back to Glacier National Park, something we loved may be replaced by something new? Certainly, in all aspects of life, you can and should make adjustments to preserve our planet. But that's a story for another day and a different platform. What are the nuts and bolts about how we experience Glacier National Park in this time of increasing and potentially radical change? On the downside, if you're camping, you may not be able to light a campfire. There may be restrictions on the types of propane stoves you can use at your campsite. With increased haze from fires, the park may lose its designation as an international dark sky park. The summer heat and the decreased air quality from the ever-threatening fires makes it harder for hikers, or even casual meanders, to breathe on their forays by foot in the park. But with an eye to the future, the park has introduced a shuttle system, encouraging visitors to cut down on carbon emissions by leaving their vehicles in parking lots and riding a clean energy bus to popular stops along Going to the Sun Road. Look for the National Park Service to continue to bring innovative solutions to the table with a dual purpose of preserving this unique and glorious spot and to continue to make it possible for us, the visitors, to enjoy this fragile national treasure. How much longer will the glaciers persist? It's hard to know. Reports around the turn of the century indicated that all the glaciers within Glacier National Park would be gone by 2020. Yet, here we are, and a fragile two dozen still remain, albeit 
in a state of peril. Nature is fleeting, ever-changing. Look beyond the charred tree trunks to the prevalence of fireweed and other understory growth prompted by the loss of the heavy canopy that once hid it from sunlight. Study the serotonous pine cones whose waxy exterior preserves the cone and its seeds till fire, when the extreme heat will melt the resin and release the seeds to start a new cycle of forest growth. It is a rebirth of sorts, part of the cycle that renews the park, ensuring a future of the forest, if not a future for the glaciers themselves. This park will change over time, no matter how we wish for it to remain a land of glaciers. The effects of climate change are not fully reversible, no matter how much we reduce our carbon footprint. We may be able to stave off future warming, but it won't miraculously bring back the glaciers that are already lost. But if we reflect for a moment, full of hope that we can slow the effects of climate change, we can start to imagine the Glacier National Park of the future. Today's landscape is from glaciers that disappeared tens of thousands of years ago in a period of natural warming. The most recent Little Ice Age, which reached its heyday in the mid-1800s, saw the greatest growth of the alpine glaciers in Glacier National Park. Perhaps the park in another 100 years will be resplendent with new landforms, waterforms, ice forms, and life forms. Even today, the park is enjoyed on many levels, with so many vistas and activities that don't directly involve the glaciers. Take some time to really explore the park through all of your five senses and from different vantage points. By horseback through the deep shade of the west side forest, by foot through the fields of wildflowers, by kayak on Lake McDonald where eagles nest in the trees that rim the shore. This park continues to give us a chance to become reacquainted with nature and with ourselves. Glacier National Park is open year-round with a busy season starting in late June when going to the Sun Road is fully plowed and running through August. By September, snow may begin to fall and the spectacular road traversing the park will close. Glacier National Park consists of several distinct areas. Rising Sun featuring St. Mary Lake, mountains and glaciers. Apgar featuring Lake McDonald, lower elevations and old growth forests. Mini Glacier featuring Swift Current Lake and Lake Josephine and Grinnell Glacier hiking trail and an abundance of wildflowers. Logan Pass with its high elevation at the Continental Divide where visitors can see mountain goats and bighorn sheep and Two Medicine, a less frequented area for a quieter experience featuring Two Medicine Lake. Together, Glacier National Park and its sister park, Waterton Lakes National Park of Canada, comprise an international peace park. This episode of America's National Parks was hosted by me, Jason Epperson, narrated by Abigail Trebu, and written by Lauren Eisenberg Davis. We hope you'll consider supporting us through our Patreon program for less than a dollar an episode. You can help us make these episodes possible by hiring writers to track down the stories you care about at patreon.com slash nationalparkspodcast. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search National Park Podcast. You can also join our America's National Parks Facebook group. Today's show was sponsored by L.L. Bean. Follow the hashtag BeanOutsider and visit LLBean.com to find great gear for exploring the national parks. 